Hello, welcome in. The day is July 13th. It is a nice Wednesday morning, and I'm coming at you with another show. We have a lot of topics to get to, a lot of news you know, around every sport. We got some live tour stuff. I'm like I said, I'm a little bit behind, so I haven't touched on that. The biggest name of golf touched on it, talked about it. Um, there's a certain superstar in a certain Western city that's open to being traded now, or a team is open to trading them. We'll talk some college football quarterbacks and some NFL logos. I did some logos before, got a little bit of feedback on them. Well, I'm going to try and write the ship here with some NFL logos. We'll see how those go. I'll finish off with some MLB scores and... You know, maybe a little bit of hockey talk, a little bit of breaking news for any of our Puck fans. And so, let's get into it. Welcome in the Coach's Corner. It is episode three, coming at you with another show. Like I said, loaded with topics. I'm really excited to get into this first one, the Live Tour. Now, we know the PGA Tour has been the longstanding golf organization that many people have looked to as basically the league for golfers, and all the best of the best have always come through the PGA Tour. And, you know, I'm pretty sure most people should know by now because it's made it's made its well-known presence felt. The Live Tour is a tour kind of funded by Saudi Arabian, I guess, money. And many people are claiming it to be blood money, which is a very tough term, a very tough term for anyone to, you know, hide behind. But they're continuing on and they have signed some of golf's biggest names away from the PGA Tour. They have Phil Mickelson, they got Brooks Kepka, they got um, more guys, Louis Oosthuizen, he's always kind of in the mix there. Sergio Garcia won the Masters a couple of years ago. Abraham Answer is a top tier kind of guy. Bryson DeChambeau is a big name. All these guys Basically getting double what they're worth from the live tour. Like Phil made, I think, mm, oh, I'm not sure, around $100 And live tour doubled that. Made a very lucrative offer for him to come over. And he did. And so the thing is, you can judge these guys all you want. But I think in the end, you have to understand... It's all about that money. It's all about the cash that they're getting from this tour. It's just all about the certain, the certain you know, zeros that they see on this check that make it really appealing for them to go. And, you know, they are trying some new things to kind of spice up the game of golf, which it's an interesting strategy for a game like golf where it's kind of just always been the way it is. You know, it's not... They're not changing rules every year in golf like they are in basketball or anything. 
But the Live Tour is doing that. They're pushing boundaries a little bit. And these golfers are catching a lot of flack from some peers. And most notably, Tiger Woods came out and said something. He stated that the players, quote-unquote, turned their back on the PGA. Now, the reason why that is such a big topic is because that's coming from Tiger Woods. Now, I don't, I don't have to, like, be a, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out why that's such a big deal. I'll spell it out if you really need me to. Tiger Woods is the biggest golf star, one of the biggest athlete stars the world has ever seen. And it's reported that the Live Tour did offer Tiger a deal. I think some people said that it was in the, the realm of, I believe, nine figures. I now I cannot, you know, or maybe it might have been 10 feet. It was a lot of figures that were being thrown around for how much Tiger was reportedly offered to join the tour. Now, he didn't, and for reasons that make sense, you know, Tiger's pretty cemented in the PGA, obviously. The history's there, he's made plenty of money, so he doesn't have that real need and desire. Really, at this point in his career, does he really need another kind of scandal to try and follow him around? Because like I said, he's the biggest hes the biggest star ever, and he fell from the high graces of everyone during his little, um, his little tift he had in the early 2010s. But then he, you know, slowly rebuilt his image, managed to win the Masters in one of probably the most incredible sporting events I've ever seen where he won that Masters. It was, I, I remember watching it with my buddy Corbin in his basement on the TV that's ginormous, and it was it was just the electricity that was in the air from watching it. It was just, it was unbelievable. And so when you have the, for all in purpose, like the today's generation goat come out and kind of say that against one, basically... If you want to bring it down, I mean, you can say it's Tiger versus Phil. Tiger versus a bunch of other, you know, rising guys that were coming through the ranks of the PGA. You could say that. I mean, that's just, it's a really big deal when someone that big in their sport. It's like if Tom Brady came out and bashed anyone that, like, like left to go to the USFL. Like, I mean... The USFL probably is folding as we speak, but then you have the greatest of all time to say that it's bad. Those players are going to look and be like, ah, it might have been a bad decision during the USFL. If anyone of note actually went to the league, it's just me. It just means more when it's coming from a figure that big. And I don't know if I understand what he's really saying by the players turning their backs on the PGA Tour. Because, I mean, really, it is, I mean, they are their own business. Another firm is offering a ton of money to double their earnings. I mean, I work at Kohl's. Let's say TJ Maxx comes to me. And they, they might have they might have killed someone in the back. But let's say they come to me and they're like, Lucas, you make ten dollars an hour now. What if you want to make thirty? 
And you asked us like, I heard rumors about this person. You you kind of did something to them in the bed. They said, hey, 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 hey. You won't have to get caught up in that. There's nothing to see for you. You just come and you just work for us. You'll make that money and you'll work in a, a place that's probably just as good, if not better, than where you're at now. Now, sure, you have a lot of benefits, a lot of people that have backed you and helped you become the figure that you are now, such highly respected Coles associate. But here, here we can really, really mold you and use you as the face of TJ Maxx in Athens, not, not TJ. Anyway, you don't have to worry about anything in the back. Just come, take the money, do your job just as you did. The same exact thing you were doing, you can do it here. You'll just make a lot more money. And I mean, really, that is a that's the opportunity. It's just on a million dollar scale, much more millions than anything that I could dream of. But it's that same scenario where there's some bad things happening over there. There's a lot of really, really bad, corrupt things that are happening from where this money's coming from. But really, you do have to understand that. I mean, they're not the ones doing the killing or anything. You know, it's. They're benefiting from money that's made off of those people that do do that. I'm not advocating for it, but I understand the decision. I would personally probably stay in the PGA. Because, I mean, really think about it. They are also taking a big hit to their image. Because everyone, it's not like we're dancing around this money. Like, we're not dancing around any of the issues here. It's pretty cut and dry. They can, you know, I'd say, I don't know, coach speak is the word, but. They can talk to the media in whatever way they want to to kind of morph this into I think Live Tour has a better chance of being the future of golf. They can try all that, but that doesn't mean anything. When you have the reporters that are digging and finding stuff, or it's it must not be too hard to find, but like we know why they're leaving. It's not they might have their issues with the PGA, and this might be a nice, you know, middle finger up to the system while they also go make a bunch of money, but like I mean, it's just, it's kind of an issue. And I mean, I guess it does force the PGA's hand now to go and, you know, look at themselves in the mirror and be like, what have we been doing wrong to where people want to leave this organization, this prestigious, longstanding tradition of golf? And so as bad as it is, like kind of like the optics and how it looks and everything for everyone, I do think as a whole... It's good for a lot of the players that are on either tour, mainly the PGA, because now, you know, now they have to, now they really have an option, whereas they didn't before, but now they really have an option to kind of look around and be like, am I worth more or does the PGA value me? Can I really, they can maximize their own benefits that they get, you know, from the PGA tour while the live guys go make a ton of money. Like, a lot of the players really do get a win here. Both, you know, the PGA really is taking a hit here. And the Live Tour is obviously, like I said, they've been facing a ton of backlash. It doesn't seem like they care, but it doesn't help. So Tiger's quote just made me, it made me interested. It made my ears perk up. Like, you know, maybe this is something, this is a good time to like bring it in and talk about it. And it's weird because I've only seen one Live Tour event, like, actually advertised and streamed so like 
And I think I heard it's like they're supposed to have one in Portland. And like, I don't know. I don't know when. I don't know if it happened already. Like, really, it's something that I don't understand where and how they're going to remake all this money. And it's also a weird concept. The Live Tour as a whole is a, it's a, the way they're doing the golf stuff. Like I said, it's new. But it's weird because it's like their teams and they're doing this and that. So yeah, see, they had the they had the live tour in Portland June 30th, July 2nd. That's well past. The next event is at the end of July. And see, I I had no clue. It's it's just weird that something like that could be so talked about yet the actual golf being played is like you don't know when or where it was. But that is that's the news on the live tour. The PGA, you know, they have the open coming up, so that's mainly where these quotes are coming from, is because a lot of people are doing their media now. A lot of practice rounds. We'll see who wins that. Um I'll look up. And I'll let you know right now, I was a, a big Brooks Kepka fan. I probably still am. It's just like I said, you can't really like it's it's weird because you can't really like, I don't know when he'll... Like, I don't know when I'll have the chance to root for Brooks Kapka again. Because the thing is, they can still play in PGA, like, events. Like, certain events they can still play. And, um... So, like, Brooks Kapka can play in the Open Championship that's happening here in Scotland. And I'll let you know right now, the odds favorite is John Rahm to win. Rory McIlroy, third... Or second. Uh, Colin Morikawa is third. Dustin Johnson is third. Dustin Johnson's also on the live tour. Like, see, the n- names here, like, a lot of these guys are still playing in these. Because some, not all, every, you know, tournament is PGA sanctioned. So, like, this one obviously isn't. Otherwise, these guys wouldn't be playing. But still, I'll let you know, my guys are, like, I'm a Brooks fan. Max Homa, I think, is a fun. He's a funny guy on um, social media and everything. Colin Morikawa was the next big thing i'm very confident in that he's very good justin thomas i like him a lot cam smith i'd love to see cam smith do something in the future here like you know win a big thing here will zalatoris is a fun guy he's he he has to work out some things but he's super young so it's like you know he he'll figure it out so that'll do a little bit of basketball cleanup here we're getting a lot of rule changes here coming up. Like, like I said, the summer league's still going on, so a lot of meetings are happening at summer league and stuff like that, where like competition committees and everything. And so, there's two things that have been talked about with uh, via Shams, one of the big NBA reporters. First is the take foul. So I'll explain the take foul. Basically, imagine a fast break. It's a two-on-one. The guys are running up, and there's one guy back. Basically, all he does is foul the ball carrier, and that's when they side it out of bounds. And they just, because the guy just eats the foul, and he doesn't have to, you know, stop a two on one. They get their defense set, that whole thing. It's been an issue. It slows down the game. It's ruined fast breaks, basically. Like, you know, you do a take foul, and no, the fast break's done. It's, it's dead. It just stops right there. But now, 
Um, I think they're changing it. The way they explained it was if you do a take foul, that same scenario, the team gets a free throw and they get possession of the ball. So they get a free point and the ball. So it's like they do that same scenario, but now they have a chance for a point and the ball. So hopefully that slows that down because it does ruin the pace sometimes. You know, some of these fast-paced teams. Uh, the other one was this midseason tournament. Now, midseason tournament's been something that's been floated around for a couple years. Now, I couldn't tell you why they want to do a midseason tournament. It, I I might be getting loud here because it makes me mad. I don't know why they're doing a midseason tournament. The players already are kind of like sick of the eighty-two game. Like you see these guys resting already. Like it's it's a well-known, documented thing that they rest because the season is so long. So you throw in a midseason tournament that really has no impact on what they do in the playoffs. They're going to get like a participation trophy. I don't, you're going to give them a money prize. The the players that make millions upon millions of dollars, they're going to get another million added on. I, it makes sense maybe for the young guys if they want to compete in it, but it doesn't for guys that are making 40 plus million that want to win an NBA championship, not a midseason tournament with a little rinky dinky cup that you're playing for. I don't unless you add like a home court advantage, like no matter what, whoever wins this gets home court advantage throughout the playoffs. That's the only incentive that I could see working for this dumb tournament. So basically, it's it would be like a 30-team single elimination tournament, and it whittles down to the Final Four. I don't know if the Final Four would be like a series, a best of three or something, but either way, it sounds stupid. It sounds really stupid when you like really talk about it. It's like, we're going to have these guys do a midseason tournament where they don't really get an NBA Finals championship, so, so what does it matter then? Unless it has big incentives for either the playoffs or standings, it doesn't make sense to do it. It just doesn't. Like I don't. I don't know if if there's a way they can explain it. It'll be make more sense, but I I don't know. Oh, and there's one more thing where the NBA plan basically that'll get you know passed through as like a permanent change now. So you know the. Playing tournament basically consisted of um, the seventh through tenth seed made it kind of to this playing tournament. Seven plays eight, winner of that is the seventh seed. The loser of that plays the winner of the nine versus ten matchup, and the winner of that gets the eighth seed. So that was a rule passed, I think, in the bubble. I'm not sure. This might have been the year after the bubble. Either way. I think it's a good concept because it kind of tries to stop teams from tanking. You might be able to sneak in, kind of like the Hawks did, who weren't the eighth seed, but they snuck in. Uh, the Pelicans, who weren't the eighth seed, they snuck in. You know, teams like that get a chance to make the playoffs and kind of, you know, helps reward them for not tanking. So those are all rules that were passed. I think they're all relatively the the two I like. The midseason tournament's stupid. Get it out of here. We're, one of the worst ideas, probably, that I can think of. Um, it's, just, it's just idiotic. And so the um, next thing I want to talk about, Utah Jazz. 
Now, a lot has been made about the Utah Jazz. They got, you know, pretty handled, pretty well handled. I mean, I don't know if they went to Game 7 with the Mavericks or not. Regardless, they went up against the Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs first round, and they lost. And frankly, they've been a first-round exit the past how many every years. I'm not sure since Donovan Mitchell got there. They've been bouncing around, basically just losing in the first round for a considerable amount of time. And so they finally made a big move where they kind of did a mini blow up where they decided to finally trade Rudy Gobert, who, I mean, wasn't bad per se. Like, I mean, Rudy Gobert is a very polarizing player because I don't like him. (laughs) <laughs> Straight up, I do not like him. Rigo Bears a French player. He's 7-2. Giant Center has won Defensive Player of the Year three times. That's a pretty good, pretty good little thing. The issue is, is he has no offensive game. Absolutely none. He has zero like post moves, really. The only advantage he has is he's 7-2. So if someone can pass him the ball, he's pretty effective. But when they don't, He's just a giant man in the paint, just standing there, not really doing much. And a center, for me, I like to have a center that can kind of do a little bit around the basket, like has at least one post move. And, I mean, I'm sure he has a hook, like he has a hook shot like most guys do, but it's not like something he can go to reliably. Like Joel Embiid can go to the post and do whatever he wants. Like he can do f- probably 14 different moves in the post if he really wanted to. Rudy Gobert is just a big old, a big old slouch that I just do not approve of. Now, like I said, that doesn't make him bad. He's really good at his job, which is primarily defense. Um, but he got traded to the Timberwolves, and I mentioned it like a couple episodes ago. And that deals all right for the Timberwolves. I think they can do something with Carnathy Towns and Gobert. I think it's an interesting duo that can. You know, I appreciate the Timberwolves for trying. You know, because most teams will, wouldn't try. They would just kind of, you know, ooh, they because they just made the playoffs. And they would just kind of, you know, put it off, just be, you know, like, oh, we made the playoffs. Let's run it back with this team. They could have won that series. Let's do this again. But instead, they decided, let's mix it up here. Let's go after a guy. Let's make our stretch four or stretch five center, a stretch four, who's really good on the perimeter. Let's make him there. We can have a giant player in the post, improve our defense drastically. Sure. And now they did trade four first round picks and a couple couple impact guys on the wing. Um, a culture guy in Patrick Beverly, a young forward in Vanderbilt. But I appreciate them for trying, and I I do appreciate the Jazz for finally deciding to do something because it was clear that they were going to have to mix it up. There wasn't much, not much of an option that they had. They they had to push the envelope here to really, you know, retool this team, make the Jazz into a team where they're not just battling first-round exits year in, year out. You always want to win an NBA championship. And the best way to do it was to do something new. Because the issue with Rigo Bear also is teams play him off the floor. 
Like I said, he's seven two. He's massive. Now the Clippers played the Jazz. I believe. Oh, was that two? Was that a year ago? Or two years ago? Either way, Clippers played the Jazz, and the Clippers just went small. They played a, I believe, a small forward at center. And the thing is, Rudy Gobert couldn't do anything because they were all on the perimeter. And he's not a perimeter guy. He's obviously in the paint because he's a big tower. Well, teams would do that all the time. The Mavericks did that. And so he just gets played off the floor. And so they can't do anything because he, I mean, he's, he's not doing anything on offense. And when he's you know, struggling on the perimeter, he's just getting blown by by guards. It's... He's unplayable at that point. And so he gets played off the floor in the playoffs, and the, now the Jazz just have to rely on Donovan Mitchell to chuck up a bunch of shots, and hopefully they go in. And that's where I lead into this topic. The Jazz are finally open to trading Donovan Mitchell. Now, Donovan Mitchell is a really good player. I probably have him top 25. And... Top 25, I mean, people would maybe have him higher, but I think top 25 is a reasonable number. Mainly because I just think that he's a guy where he'll score. He can score from anywhere on the court. He's a good shooter. He can get to the basket, but he shoots it a lot. He does. He shoots it so much. And part of that it probably is because the Jazz don't have a great primary two option that can really handle the ball and really make shots on their own. But still, he's shooting like 12 for 27. He's getting 30 points, but you get that many shots, no one else is really getting to a rhythm because he's not a great passer. He's an okay passer. He's not a great passer, though. He's not. I consider him one of the stars where he is a star in his own right, can, like I said, can score from anywhere, but I don't know if he makes his teammates better necessarily. And that comes off as a bad thing, but in reality, I think he just needs another player beside him. He He's a, like, he would be a number two option on championship team. I don't think he's a number one option on his team. Like, I don't think he can be and they can win an NBA Finals unless he matures as a player and really can get his teammates involved while also not shooting 40 times a game and continuing to score efficiently. I think now his numbers will probably tell you something like he is a good, efficient scorer and everything. But here, I don't go just by the numbers. I don't go just by gut. I see it. And I run back to some numbers to support my theories. And so I primarily, when I'm watching the games, I see like, man, he can really do anything he wants on this court. But then I do see that he's not passing the ball to Rudy Gobert to really make him effective. He's not maxing out Rudy Gobert's skill set, which is passing him the ball around the basket. And part of that was they had a rift. It was widely, I mean, it's been widely reported for a while. Like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were not best of friends uh, after the whole COVID thing. Rudy Gobert shut down the NBA. Also, by by the way, on top of why I don't like Rudy Gobert, cherry on top, he shut down the NBA because he got COVID first. 
But ever since then, they've had a rocky relationship, and, you know, he's kind of been, he's been inching in closer and closer, and I think part of this is the NBA culture has been wanting this to, like, break up, because no one really likes the Jazz, and no one likes Rudy Gobert, and as much as people, like, sigh, it's like they want players to be more loyal, you also have another part of NBA fandom that's like, dude, what are you doing on this losing team? Get out. So it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't have guys getting drafted by teams and wanting them to stay then also being like, dude, this team stinks. Why don't you just leave? Sometimes guys will stick it out like Damian Lillard, and th- then you can get to the point where Damian Lillard is now in his like 30, you know, early 30s where it's like, okay, now it's like, dude, you got to get out of there. You got to skip town. Instead of like Zion Williamson, where it's like he's young 20s, and it's like, dude, he's got to get out of New Orleans. New Orleans isn't doing anything for him. And then you have like Donovan Mitchell, where it's like, people will be like, oh, he's not loyal or whatever. I mean, he hasn't outwardly demanded a trade yet. It's just kind of been floated around because people are talking, because I think player movement is such a thing in the NBA where people are always ready to see the next guy move, the next star move. And Donovan Mitchell is the next star to probably move. I mean, really, the last couple off-seasons, you know, it's kind of slowed down a little bit, but the next last couple off-seasons have been like, where's Bradley Beal going to go? He's still in Washington. Where's Dame going to go? He's staying in Portland. And now, like, where Donovan, where's Donovan Mitchell going to go? Because he's just stuck in the first round now, year after year. And so I say all this, I say all this, you know, kind of preachy stuff like loyalty and the star as stars asking out. I just, I find it interesting that the Jazz are now open to trading him after going to the Summer League. Because I do think people talk at the Summer League. I think it is, it's, I mean, everyone comes to the Summer League. Everyone. I think it is interesting that this discussion has started to roll now that we're a little bit on. A little bit past the Rudy Bear trade. You know, maybe Donovan Mitchell's looking around like, ah, guys, what do you want to do here? And the Jazz were kind of like, ah, might want to hit the reset button. And so I think the Jazz are in a spot where they can probably run it again this year if they really wanted to. I don't think there's a lot of moves they can really make. Like I said, they got a bunch of role players, like a bunch of talented guys, like role players. But they, you know, they can maybe push for a playing spot. But, you know, they could just bite the bullet and decide to trade him, get the maximum value, and move on to the next phase of their life. Donovan Mitchell can move on to the next phase of his life. I think it's an interesting problem to have. And so the teams, I believe, that are interested in him are the Miami Heat, New York Knicks are the two obvious ones. Because, I mean, the Heat the Heat are, like, starving for a third star. They haven't, like, outwardly been like, we want KD, we want Donovan Mitchell. Like, it's been known that they are very interested. But it's starting to get to the point where it's like, <clears throat> man, they are, like, they're starving for one now. Because they know they can't win with just Jimmy Butler being a scoring option. Because Bam Adebayo is not a scoring option. He's a really good defender, backbone of a defense, but he will not assert himself as an offensive player, an offensive threat, 
for a championship team. I think that's just been proven. I don't. I mean, if you if we get about this time next year, and it's like, man, Bam out of bio. I don't know. He he's really good on defense, but man, he only gets like fifteen points a game, and they're paying him a lot of money. You know, I could see that discussion happening, but he could also just assert himself and be a, a threatening player on offense. But we'll never know until next season. We'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to seeing how this unfolds because this can really get interesting quickly. So I'll transition here to some college football. We had a little bit of college football talk on the first episode is a big part of our like first segment. And I wanted to bring it back because I saw a graphic I forgot who put out the graphic. might have been Fox. might have been CBS. They were asking outside of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, who is the best returning quarterback in college football? And I've you know, thought about it, and I'll say this much. I think there's a difference between the best returning college quarterback and the best NFL potential prospect. Because I'll let you know, Will Levis for Kentucky, he has a big arm. He's fairly mobile. He can hit some throws. If he like can play to the potential that people are talking him up to be, he could be a number one pick. Now, I don't think that's likely. I think Stroud and Young have it easily. But Levis could find himself in the top ten with a good year. And after all the traits and measurables he's shown, he could be up there. I don't know if he could be the bet like best college quarterback outside of the other guys. There's some there's a couple of guys on the graphic that I um, originally took this from. Um, you have Tyler Van Dyke who's at Miami. He got some run basically most of last year. I think he has interesting accuracy outside the numbers, but I don't know if Tyler Van Dyke really strikes me consistently as a guy who can really. I mean, unless Miami receivers are starting to like really make that next jump, I don't see Van Dyke being that guy. Not yet. Um, they had Devin Leary, who's in North Carolina State. Now, he's interesting because I feel like he's that quarterback where he doesn't do anything but like one thing like incredible. He does everything just very good. Very good to and a couple things like a little bit great. Like it's not He's not flashy at all, but I really like, I do like what I see from him. He has a little, little bit of a gamer in him, you know, I, I don't want to, I won't say he's like an NFL prospect. I think he's a good like NFL backup prospect, which isn't a slide to him. He could change it around if he has a good year in the ACC there with North Carolina State, but Devin Leary, guy to watch. Um, Sam Hartman, speaking of ACC guys, he's at Wake Forest. I think that he had a really good year helping Wake Forest kind of become the great team that they were last year. It's very underrated because they kind of fell off there at the end due to Pittsburgh and losing to Clemson. But Wake Forest was really a great offense. They were really moving the ball well. and I think Sam Hartman was a big part of that. Jaden Daniels was a guy at Arizona State who kind of blew up his freshman year, he they beat Justin Herbert in Oregon, upset them. But Jane Daniels transferred to LSU, where Brian Kelly's coming in now. 
you know, maybe, maybe an LSU change of scenery for Jane Daniels helps him. And here are two guys that I think, if I had to say the two best like college seasons, there, there's one outlier guy that I'm like, yeah. And then there's this guy who I'm going to mention next. USC's quarterback, Caleb Williams. Now, Caleb Williams, obviously he was a big guy at Oklahoma last year. He overtook Spencer Rattler, who is at South Carolina now. Caleb Williams you know, follows Lincoln Riley over USC. They get Jordan Addison, who is a star receiver for Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. He comes over with Caleb Williams, and I find it hard-pressed to see a quarterback that might be, like, at least has the film and the potential of a like, great supporting cast and coaching. I find it hard to find a quarterback better than Caleb Williams. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't. Caleb Williams, I don't know where he'll be, like, translating NFL-wise yet because it's, you know, we don't have a ton of film. We just have one year, so. But Caleb Williams is a guy coming into his second year, you know, second season under Lincoln Riley especially, it's the consistency of being with a coach now as next stop. I think that helps him out big time. Caleb Williams would probably be my pick if I really had to, like, put money down on someone. But a guy that I think is underrated, that's Purdue's Aiden O'Connell. Now, Aiden O'Connell came in last year, I think it's the backup to Jake Plummer's son, who's also at Purdue. Now, I don't know what's happened to him. I just know Aiden O'Connell because he, I mean, Purdue wasn't good, but Purdue was like always threatening every top team. <laughs> like They beat Iowa, I believe, Michigan State. You know, Purdue was just kind of like terrorizing the big guys, and then, you know, they ended up winning probably what, like seven games. Aiden O'Connell, I think, has like these weird, he has some tools really in the pocket that really make him special. Now, I don't think he has much, I don't like, I don't think his legs are awesome. Like, I don't think he's a big runner, but I think his ball placement, he can really put it anywhere on the field. Now, I don't know if he also, I also don't know if he has a giant arm. That's the thing about like a lot of these college quarterbacks is like you see the names. I I remember these guys. It's just I haven't watched them in months now, and I haven't done any film study on them in quite a while. But Aiden O'Connell, I remember, he would make some like throws from like 30, 25 yard line, just dropping in the back corner of the end zone, right where his receiver needed to be. He really impressed me, and I would say I don't think he'll put the flashy stats because he's at Purdue, but. He's a guy I think that to watch out for, like, as a guy, when you watch him, you're like, he's a pretty good little player there. So those are just some, you know, just some names outside of the obvious Bryce, you know, and CJ Stroud. Those guys are going to get talked about all year. It would shock me if one of those two didn't win the Heisman just because they're going to steamroll their opponents because Ohio State really, who are they going to play that's going to, like, really make CJ Stroud look bad? Who is Alabama going to play that's going to make Bryce Young look bad? And Bryce Young just won the Heisman, so he might have a bias against him because I think that happens with awards. So C.J. Stroud is probably the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman right now. I mean, just because, just because of what I told you, you know, it's just, it's awful. It's an awful media thing, but you know, it's kind of the business he signed up for. And so that makes me transition here 
I'll talk some hockey here. Before we do our NFL logo tiers, I'll talk some hockey. Because uh, a big player, really, really big player in the world of hockey, kind of deciding that he doesn't want to play for his team anymore. Now, I might butcher his name here, but I think I got it. Johnny Gaudreau. Gaudreau. Now, Johnny Gaudreau plays for the Calgary Flames. Calgary Flames just made the NHL playoffs. They were a good team. I'm not sure if they made it to the second round or not. Either way, Gaudreau is a big player for them, I believe. I remember seeing him just constantly making you know, play after play because you kind of notice the names on the back when they're really interesting. And he was one of those guys. He, I think he's a big-time player for the Flames, and they wanted to, you know, extend him, keep him. But it's not looking like that's likely anymore. As it's been, you know, taught, it's been reported that he has informed the Flames that he's not returning. Now I don't know how set in stone that is because a lot of things can change. Maybe he's just leveraging out the most money he can get from the Flames, but a team that's been really linked to him, the Islanders. The Islanders have really been linked to him. I saw multiple things where it's like the Islanders are willing to offer anything that they can to get him, and I am i won't break down whether it's a good move or a bad move. I mean, the fact that he's a star and a team wants to sign him seems like a pretty big deal, so... That's the brief hockey talk, some brief news coming out of there. I, I recognize him from because I'm a big, I'm a casual with hockey. I'll admit it. I'm not, I'm not locked in like my Uncle Tom is for all the games. I ask him most of my questions that I do have, like overarching. But I'm a, like a big playoff guy. I, the playoff hockey, playoff hockey might be the best playoff atmosphere in all of sports. Baseball is really good. I think football's really good. Basketball's all right. March Madness, like the championship, college stuff is pretty good. But the hockey playoffs, there's just something about it. I think it's part of the like arenas that they play in are kind of not huge buildings, but they just attract these giant crowds. You see that everyone's just on their feet the whole time. I just, the hockey playoffs are incredible. And I remember seeing this guy during the hockey playoffs. So he's only 28 years old. You know, that's fairly young for a hockey guy. Kind of going into the prime of his career, I think it's worth the risk for whatever team wants to go after him. So with that, we'll go into some NFL logo tiers. Now, I I did the tier system on Monday. I had some little cleanup from that. The Sabres apparently is the Swords. That's what a Sabre is. I, I thought maybe, you know, the Buffalo and the Swords kind of threw me off, but it makes sense because Buffalo Sabres, yeah, that whole deal. F- figured out what the Flyers puck was. It's a puck. looks like a P. has wings on it. I still have it in D. I'm, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to just, I'm going to be really, like, arrogant about that. Because I'm going to just, I'm going to just say it right now. These are my tears. Respectfully, these are my tears. I will do whatever I want with them. I don't think the Flyers is that great. I understand it. I understand it's iconic. Like I said, with the, them and the Bruins are very iconic logos. But the fact that I didn't get it immediately, I think that is an, a red flag. Now that I get it, I understand. But 
at first glance when I did it, I think that's still a red flag. So I'll keep it in D. And the Blackhawks logo, like I said, I'll keep I'll I'd put that in A tier probably. But I have that tift. And I'll say the fun fact, fun fact that my dad told me via Uncle Tom. Seven colors on that Blackhawks logo. So that's just a little bit of cleanup from that. I think cleaning up after the tears because I get a lot of beef. Also, Coyotes hype? No. The Coyotes hype is awful. It looks like a bunch of ragtag things put together color-wise on the Coyote. I liked it better. When it was just the regular Coyote howling in the sky, I would have put that at B. That's a good PB tier logo. The only reason people like that new logo is because it's vintage. Just because you like, just because you see it now and you liked it when it was that way twenty years ago, doesn't make it good now. And then the Kraken logo, I still have beef with the Kraken logo. People, I saw a post say that's if you were starting a franchise, that's the logo you'd want. What? It has first of all, the Kraken has two tentacles. And a red eye that it like how it doesn't even make sense. The Kraken should have a bunch of. I feel like you can make a really cool logo out of a Kraken. But like I said, they focus so hard on making it an S for Seattle. It's just like why? Why are we? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Come on. Whatever. Um. After I'm mad now. I'm mad now. But we're on to better days. We're on to the NFL logo tears. I'm sure this one will be controversial at all. I'm put it. I'm put in the little community. I'm in a little community online, and I'm gonna put it in there, and it's just gonna get slandered. It's gonna get demolished. But we'll start off. I like I said it before. S A B C D. Hell, that's just how it goes. It will never be any different. It will always stay this way, unless we do like a different topic where I'm like, I'll explain it when we change. But for now, S through hell. Pretty self-explanatory. Four teams in the S tier. Starting off, the Minnesota Vikings. I think Vikings are awesome. Straight up, I think Vikings are really cool. Really cool concept. I think the Vikings jerseys look awesome. Their stadium is a bucket list thing. But just talking about the logo itself, I think it's a very strong logo color-wise. The horns are really solid. It's like it's just really hard for me to hate the on the Vikings logo. I mean, I just I like it. I'm I'm a sucker for their branding. I really am. I think their branding has just always been strong. Next, I have the Raiders, the iconic black and silver. I mean, I think I'm not like I said, I'm not a big fan of a shield logo. But I think the black and silver, or silver and black, is like an iconic color. And I just, I mean, you say that and you probably think of the Raiders. I think this is like that good of a logo. I mean, he has a little helmet on. They got the swords behind them. I think it's a very strong logo. Now, this one's going to be very controversial. But I'm willing to stand on the table for it. I got the Bills in the A tier. 
I think the Bills logo is really good. I think they have like, so a lot of teams have blue in their colors, obviously. I think the Buffalo blue is the perfect blue. I think that color of blue is just, just right. When you think of blue, you think of that color. I'm, you look through the rest of these. Dallas is a little darker. Carolina is a little light. The Lions and Titans are both lighter blues. The Giants are a little bit darker blue. The Rams are the closest blue to that. The Colts are darker blue. They're the closest to that, but even then, I think the blue is just a perfect color, and the Buffalo is a really good Buffalo. The red coming off of it, it's like a stripe as they're like charging through the people. I'm just, I, I'm a sucker for the Buffalo. I also just love the Bills. I mean, really, another thing, I just love the Bills. But a team I don't love that I also have an S tier, this is the fourth team, the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Miami Dolphins, I think, have had some of the best branding, the best logos in their history. But the logo in between their latest one and the 70s Dolphins, or the 80s Dolphins, either way, the one in between there was, eh, it was a mid, it was a mid logo. It was, but I think when they revamped it and made it this modern logo, the modern dolphin kind of, you know, diving through it's a slimmer look. I think it, it's a strong dolphin. I think the teals are really. Normally, I'm not a big teal guy. Like we'll see a team later that uses teal in a weird way all the time. It feels like I think the dolphins do it right. I do. I think they do it really right. The orange really pops. I think the logo is... I think it's a good dolphin. I don't think it's like... It's not too cartoony. I think it's just a solid... Now, the thing is, it could pass for like a SeaWorld logo. And that that is really not good. That's a healthier logo. But for this one, I don't know what the dolphins are. I hope the fans know what the dolphins are. I think it's an, I think it's an S-tier logo. I'm... I'm going to stand on the table for that. And Buffalo. Hate the Dolphins because of Tua, but I'm going to stand on the table for that. Now, going to the A tier. I have the Tennessee Titans. Now, you may be asking, the Tennessee Titans? <sighs> I think it's a good logo. I think the T looks, it looks like a sword. I think that's an interesting part of it that not a lot of people get. I think it looks like a sword. I think their red and blues work. Now, I don't love their like I don't love when they put that logo on the dark like blue helmet. I don't think that looks very good. I liked it better when it was the white helmet. But overall, I think it works very well. It has flames on it. I mean, I like to think it's a shield with a sword on it. And I think that's a cool variation of the Titans logo. I have the Eagles next. Now, the Eagles, I think, perhaps downgraded their logo. But in the end, I think it's still a really strong logo. I think it it's one it's one of the better bird logos. We have a couple birds, and I think it's one of the better ones. I think it's, like, missing enough to where it's, like, you know, I, I just, I like the logo a lot. I don't see anything wrong. When I see it, I'm not, like, that logo stinks. But I'm not, like, overjoyed. Like, I don't think it's a top-tier logo, but I like it. I have the Ravens. Now, the Ravens one really, I think, gets boosted because it is the red eye. I think the red eye is a really like cool detail because they use that in their 
in their like marketing and stuff. Whenever they like do the entrances or whatever, and the Raven has like a red eye. Yeah. Now the purple and gold is a very weird combo, especially when they do like a, the mustard pants. I remember they did that a couple years ago. That sucked. That was awful. But when done right, I think the like like how the, I think the logo is done right in a way. It's a good combo. Next, I have the Chargers. Now, the Chargers, I'll, I'll lump these two together. The Chargers and the Colts. I have them both in A tier. I think they're both really good logos. They can, they're kind of bleh. But I think they're just like, I think they're strong enough to where they deserve benefit of the doubt for being less than like detail oriented. And like the Charger colors are just awesome. Like the jar, the Chargers logo looks great on their helmet. The powder blue is incredible. I think the yellow is a strong yellow. It's not too cartoony. It's very, it's smooth. It's very California yellow. And I think the Colts logo, I think it's a good, like, it's a horseshoe. I mean, come on, it's a horseshoe. Like, if you just, you don't overthink it, it's like, that's a really good way of just not doing a horse again like the Broncos. They don't want, they didn't copy the Broncos here. They did their own thing. And I do like their old logo too, but I do appreciate them just, you know, sticking to this logo through the Peyton Manning era and the Andrew Luck and now Matt Ryan era. I I appreciate that. And the Patriots. I also have the Patriots in tier A rounding out, you know, the teams here. I think the Patriots logo is really strong now the f- people might hate it because of what they associate with it but if you take the logo by itself i think you know part of it being red helps with it you know being a bolder one the star on the little guy's hat you know i just i think there's aspects of it where are that are pretty pretty solid here Now, going to B tier. This is where things kind of get like, how do you not have them in A? Now, I have the Jaguars. I think they upgraded from their old logo. That older Jaguar did nothing for me. I think that was one of the most least intimidating mascots, logos, however you want to phrase it. I think that it just was like, it was too round. It was too ovally. It was an ovally Jaguar. How do, That doesn't even make sense. At least the old, like the old '90s ones, it had like a whole jaguar. This, the head of it, was not working for me. But the rebrand, I think, is really good. The rebranded jerseys they did at first with the ja- new jaguar was bad. I think they've righted the ship there. That logo looks pretty good now. Now there's the Detroit Lions. I think the Detroit Lions have a good one. It's interesting because the Lions, you don't think of like their kind of color of blue. But it weirdly works, and I think it is a cool line. You think of losing with the Lions, but I think it's a win here for the Lions with their logo. I have my Falcons there in B tier. Now, the Falcons colors are really solid, and the old logo wouldn't be an A tier to S tier. But this is the old logo. I think it's the new one is like, it has. it's just kind of like a lot of lines. Like they're not very. I think that's something that's been lost with rebranding NFL teams. They just put too much in their logos and stuff. The simpler things were just better sometimes. The simple Falcon was better. 
But this one is still good. Uh, I've been pointed out to a billion times that the Falcon is pointing this, like how it looks like an F. It's supposed to be an F for Falcons. That's not something you would immediately get unless you are a fan, I would believe, but still. I have the Dallas Star here. I do think it's, I mean, it's an iconic star, but this is an iconic logo. It's its best logos. I think it is still a good logo. You know, the, the blue is a good blue, and I, I said they have too many lines for the Falcons, but I mean, I think the Cowboys one works where, like, the, if you remember the Dallas Stars one, I don't think the star was as pronounced as they wanted it to be. I think the old Dallas Stars logo makes the star look better. But, I mean, this one just being solo, the star, I think they did about as good as they can do. I have the Steelers in third. Or the Steelers here in tier B. But, I mean, I can even talk to them being in tier A for the iconic level, but I can talk to them, you know, being in tier C for just, like, what what is this? Because, I mean, really, it's a circular thing. says Steelers as yellow, red, and blue. Now, I'm sure there's a reason for that that will be cleaned up. I can probably explain it better. But for now, I just have them in B because I do think it's a good logo. I think I think it is a good, strong logo. I'm, be, I'm curious what the colors mean. Something to research, but, you know, it's an iconic logo. I think it's saying the name there. It's interesting because a lot of teams don't have the names. I, I'm looking out the list right now. It's the Raiders, Jets, and Steelers. The only ones that have the name in the logo. And the Steelers, like, is not, like, an easy name to incorporate into your logo. But they did it, and they, it is an iconic logo. So, tier B. Um, I have the Broncos next. The old Broncos was better. It would have been an S tier for me. But this Broncos is pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good. It's, I think it's uh, good to have the, you know, main be orange, since they are, you know, orange. But... I think that being, you know, bolded out is a white Bronco. Shout out to OJ. That's a pretty good little logo there. The next is the Houston Texans. Now, Houston Texans just unveiled a helmet that is like a chrome red. Oh, I think that thing's going to look sweet with the red jerseys they have. Oh my gosh, it's going to look so good. I think that'll be a, a top tier uniform next season. I hope to see it whenever they do break it out, like in this hole, but... Yeah, I think the Texans logo is good. Like, <clears throat> it's one of those, like, they didn't copy. They didn't do the typical bowl. They did something different with it. And I think I like how they have the star in there as the eye. I think it's a really good logo. It might, you know what? Safe decision. It's going to A. I think it's a really good logo. I'm ta- I've talked myself into A tier for the Texans logo. So next, I have tier C. Now, these are just all right. Now, the Bengals, I think it's a good B. The Tiger the tiger thing they did with it's a little bit less to be desired, but I think the B saves it and makes it just an average logo. I think the Chiefs one is kind of bleh. I had it in D originally, but I do like that, you know, the I do like that is an arrowhead. I think that's cool. Like the stadium's name Arrowhead. It's a good red, but I think it is a perfect. I think it's just an average logo. Um, The Panthers logo. Now I think the Panthers need to rebrand. Like I think they just need to rebrand everything. Like I think the Panthers as a franchise need to hit reset. If they could just reset, have a new owner, coach, quarterback, rebrand, just the Panther, not the name, but like just, 
because I think they've just had that silver and silver and blue black combo forever. Now keep that. Just change the helmet around, change the logo a little bit. Make maybe make the Panther like attack someone. I don't know. Just I think it's a bleh. I think with the it has potential, but it's just bleh. What they have right now, not a fan. The Cardinals logo, not a bad logo, just not special to me. It's it's one of those Cardinals have had it forever, and I'm just like, it's just it's okay. It's not like I I curious what it would look like if it had a brighter red, because I mean, it's really it is a darker toned down red, as the for the Cardinal. And I think it's just, it's an okay jersey. I mean, okay logo. Now, the Seahawks logo. The Seahawks colors used to be awesome to me when it was, like, the bright blue. The navy blue is not my favorite, but I still think that logo is pretty okay. Seahawks is also just a weird mascot, so, like, the fact that they made a logo that is competent, at least, I respect it. Uh, The Buccaneers... I get it's a sword as I own a flag. I just I'm not sold on the just I'm just not sold on it. I don't love it. I I just don't love it. I, I think it's part of like I just don't love the colors of it because I, I think the, their red is good and their cream sickles were good, but when they mixed in this brown color, I'm I'm kind of out on the brown color. And it's not in the logo that much. Like, it's not bad. Like, I don't even think it's in the logo. But I just think, being a Buccaneer, I think they could have done more with it. I don't know why. I just, I think there's some things about the Buccaneers you can just do better. And then I have the Saints logo in C. I'm a sucker for gold, so that's why it's not even in D. But, you know what? No. The Saints are going to hell. Which is... An absurd thing to say. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. But the Saints are garbage. Just a garbage franchise and all. I not a we're just you know what we're gonna do the whole tier now. The Saints are going into hell because they covered up some things, some crimes from the Catholic Church. Now that might just be a Falcons fan hating at me that I know that, but it's not good. I'll let anyone do their own research, as they should with anything. But the Saints did that. I'll let you, I'll give you the headline. You can take the headline, punch it in, research it for yourself. It's not good. They also did Bounty Gate. That was awful. Ended Brett Favre's career. Despicable stuff. The Commanders belong in hell. Awful name, awful logo. Just a shame. Because they had such a good thing going on. And they had so many... And then the thing is, when you're going to do a whole... If you're going to rebrand the entire thing, you have so many options. So many people do so many great concepts. Like, if you want to do the... The thing is, I saw the, the Red Hogs would have been my pick. If, if we're going to do the rebrand, Red Hogs would have been my pick. It would have been paid cool homage to the... You know, the offensive line for the Redskins in the 80s to 90s. Red Hawks would have been just, it just would have been good. You could have done like the Arkansas pig, not copy the Arkansas pig, but a similar thing. You could have done that. Oh, they ruined it. Look how they massacred my boy. Look how they did it. Then I have the Browns. I mean, it's just, it's a helmet and the, it's not even a brown helmet. It's an orange helmet. 
Deshaun Watson, and it's an orange helmet. That's all I got to say. Forget the Browns. So we'll jump back up to D. I finished up C by putting the Saints in the hell. But I'm going back up to D now. D tier is just logos that I find are pretty mid. Below mid, you know? I think I just... The Jets is just a football that's green. I think they if they had a Jet, it would be pretty cool. But they don't. It's very meh. The Giants logo. Now, see, I don't know what I don't I don't know what they could do with the Giants logo to make it better. I, I think the old '90s Giants where it said it was better than the NY where the Y is just coming under to in, underline it. But eh, a lot of these are just like they're just letters. Like the G. First of all, the Packers just stole the Georgia G and made it green and yellow. Like that color combination doesn't compute in my brain when I see it every time. I, I I'm like, these colors suck. And then I have the Bears. It's just it's a C. I feel like with the Bears, like it's it's a bear, dude. You can do so much with a bear, but all they did was the C. Like there's no, like there's not just nothing to it. I just think. They could just do so much more with the C. Look what the Cubs do. Now, the Cubs also have a C, but they have, like, the alternate logo where it's, like, the little bear or, like, the little cub face and it's, like, the cub walking. The Bears don't even have an alternate logo. Like, it's just, I think they just have the C. Uh, sure. I mean, sure. Uh, the Rams. The Rams went away from a good logo. Um, they even have the skull, like the skull Rams, like from the, I don't know what is this from the eighties or something, but the Rams new logo is just like, I don't know. It's like, it's like trying hard to be a modern LA upstart company that sells nothing, but they say they sell something. It's just trying so hard to be that, but it's not it's supposed to be a football team, but you know, they did just win the Super Bowl, So. I think it does look cooler based off of that, but I still have it in D when I'm really looking at it. And lastly, I have the 49ers. Now, the 49ers branding as a whole, the uniforms, the you know old uniforms, new uniforms, I think they all look really sharp. I think they figured out something. I think the old logo looks really good. But when you just take it all apart, and you just look at the SF and the maroon and gold, football shape oval thing i don't think it's that good of a logo now a lot of these d tiers i'm noticing are pretty iconic san francisco chicago green bay and new york both new york's and la la is a big market just won the super bowl like i said i i i feel like it's a step your logo game up just step it up a little bit. Yeah, the 49ers used to have a great logo. The Rams, you can do a Ram, but they just did a horn. Bears, come on now. The Packers, I don't know what the Packers could do. Legitimately don't. Like, they are just, they flabbergast me. If I was supposed to rebrand the Packers, the, the logo would just be a cheese block. Like, that's all it would be. They're nothing better. The Giants, I don't know what the Giants would do either, per se, but just do the old logo. Because the old jerseys they do like as an alternate just looks so much better too and jets you can like i said make a jet so it's just room for improvement for teams but that's the logo tiers for the nfl i'll be you know putting out these pictures and you know rightfully getting absolutely destroyed for them 
all my social medias because people always have beef when you make your own tears like if you hate it so much make your own and send it to me i don't i don't know don't judge me when you're not the one doing the thing <clears throat> that's my get off my lawn talk but i think it's a good way to end that little topic so i'll move quickly over to mlb scores so um, basically recap the action the braves finally the braves picked up a big win against the Mets. I complained about them last night. They come back. Managed to beat the Mets off of two home runs. Olsen and Duvall both hit it. Very big. Spencer Strider had a good outing. Not a great outing. He's been better, but we'll take it. Orioles pick up another win against the Cubs. The White Sox blank the Guardians. The Dylan Cease was looking Unbelievable in that. I saw a couple clips from him. Uh, the Rays managed to beat the Red Sox by one run in Chris Sale's um, return from injury. The Blue Jays managed to outlast the Phillies. The Phillies now. Now, the Phillies have a couple people that are, um, I'll say they did their own research, and so they're not in Toronto right now with the team. So that's a big blow for the Phillies who are really trying to fight for a wild card spot. And interesting when a, you know you see the scenario play out where they didn't get the jab, and so therefore a team's at disadvantage, and they lose that game in a you know, pivotal wild card race. But going on, you have the Pirates beating the Marlins by a run. Good for them. Um, oh, it was a doubleheader in Guardians land, I guess, with the White Sox and Guardians. And... So they split the split the series. Guardians win four to one. So they go one on one for the day. Uh, the Giants are up eight big, eight nothing at the end of the fourth. The Astros are being the Angels. I'm sure that'll hold. <laughs> the Rockies are being the Padres in the set, like bottom of the seventh, five to one. Tigers up on the Royals in the ninth. Poor Royals. The Athletics are narrowly beating the Rangers in extras right now. And the Cardinals look to try and hold on against the Dodgers. I don't know how the Dodgers are in the lead, but I don't know, man. They just seem to like not bring it all the time. The Brewers are narrowly beating the Twins 5-2 to two right now in the 6th. And the Reds are losing to the Yankees in the top of the ninth. However, the Reds have the bases loaded. So for anyone that's really interested, make sure to go look up this game afterwards. See how it ended. So those were the MLB scores for the recap for the Tuesday, July 12th. Um, I'll let you know right now, Wander Franco, big star for the Rays, big loss for the Rays. He's out five to eight weeks, I believe, with a fracture. I'm not sure where if it was his foot or if it was like a leg. I just know he's out for a long time here. So big, big hit to the Rays' chances there of trying to like you know win the division at least. I don't think they were in the first place, but now they're going to be in more trouble trying to fight for a wild card spot. And a couple All Star replacements. JD Martinez is the DH for the AL. He gets into the All Star game. Garrett Cooper, the Marlins DH, he manages to sneak into the NL. 
Carlos Rodon, who's the pitcher on the Giants, also gets in for the NL All-Star team. So I think that just about covers everything. I think we've had a very productive episode, a really long one, talking some pretty heavy topics, some light topics, a good tier. I'm, I'm happy with it. So like I said, we'll be back tomorrow with another show. Looking forward to it, and I'm thinking now that I'm talking, thinking about it, we'll probably do the tiers at least Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now, that's a lot of tiers. We're going to have to dive into some different topics. I was thinking about doing fast food places, drinks, anything different. So any suggestions that anyone might have, please send them my way. I'll do any tiers. I'm still doing basketball. Like, I'll still do basketball and baseball logos. We'll probably still continue down that train. But for now, we have the NFL down and the NHL. So until next time, I'm your host, Lucas Kochevar. Everyone, like, make sure to like, share, subscribe, talk to all your friends. I appreciate it once again. Goodbye.